back in 2018, I had one of the most formative experiences of my life when my wife Whitney and I uh, took a trip to the Holy Land with the church we were serving at the time, First United Methodist Church of Sherman, Texas. I know uh, many of you have been on that trip as well. After a long journey to Israel, we got off the plane, we made our way through customs, we loaded onto the bus that would carry us from one site to the next over the coming eight days. And as we were driving to our hotel, our guide gave us a preview of the daily schedule for our trip, pointing out uh, that every morning we would need to be on the bus no later than 8 a.m. for uh, the journey to begin. And that started the very next morning. And he said, paraphrasing here, you need to get in the right frame of mind. You are not on vacation. (laughs) You are on a pilgrimage, and we have a lot to see. Now, to that point in my life, I had never really thought of myself as a pilgrim. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny word, pilgrim. When I hear it, I can't help but think of this guy. <laughs> Wait, where is he? There he is. <laughs> Not me. I don't think of me. Well, I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Dang it. The timing was right. Anyway, him. Uh, <laughs> that, of course, is John Wayne. And in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, John Wayne's character calls Jimmy Stewart's character Pilgrim 25 times, and he's got a very specific way of saying it. And so for an entire generation of moviegoers, uh, that word Pilgrim came forever to be connected with John Wayne. But beyond that pop culture reference, Pilgrim has a, a rich meaning in the history of our faith. As I said, before that trip to the Holy Land, I'd never really thought of myself as a pilgrim. That's me and Whitney. Uh, That's Jerusalem in the background with some of the folks we were on that trip with in the background as well. I hadn't thought of myself as a pilgrim until then, but now, honestly, I can't stop thinking of myself as a pilgrim. My trusty go-to American Heritage Dictionary defines pilgrim to mean a religious devotee who journeys to a shrine or a sacred place. That's what our guide meant when he called us pilgrims on that first day in Israel. Christians have been making pilgrimages to the Holy Land and actually to lots of other sacred places for almost as long as there have been Christians. But pilgrim also means, quote, one who embarks on a quest for some end conceived as sacred. This is the the second definition of the word pilgrim in my American Heritage Dictionary. And in this sense, of course, all Christians are pilgrims because what is the Christian life if not a, a quest to follow Jesus as best we can, to increasingly make his teachings the center of our lives, to continue to grow in our love for God and our fellow human beings, to deepen our spirituality through prayer and Bible study and worship with our family of faith, and to know with the certainty of our faith that when our time here in this life is complete, our eternal destiny is secure. In this sense of the word, then, every disciple of Jesus Christ, every single one of us, is one who embarks on a quest for some end conceived as sacred. We are all pilgrims. Now, of course, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, at the beginning of this particular week of the year above all others, we usually call to mind the third definition listed in my American Heritage Dictionary for Pilgrim, one of the English Puritans who founded the colony of Plymouth in New England in 1620. We're all familiar with at least the the basics of their their story, how they uh, were helped by local Native American tribes, how they would not have survived 
in uh, that first winter in the New World, without that help, how they shared a great feast as an expression of their gratitude to God and to their new friends. And it seems to me uh, on this Thanksgiving Sunday that those Thanksgiving pilgrims are wonderful role models for all Christian pilgrims as examples of how gratitude uh, can be a foundation of our lives. A couple of weeks ago, Whitney and I were at Hobby Lobby trying to get an early start on our Christmas wrapping paper shopping. (laughs) Yes, there is such a thing as Christmas wrapping paper shopping. You don't want uncoordinated packages underneath your tree. You can just ask my wife about that. (laughs) And to get to the Christmas section in Hobby Lobby, at least a couple of weeks ago, you had to walk past the fall stuff and the Thanksgiving stuff, which, you know, fair enough. And I saw some awesome pilgrim decor as we were making our way through Hobby Lobby. Uh, And I said to Whitney that we need more pilgrim decorations in our house for Thanksgiving, which would mean any pilgrim decorations in our house, as we currently have none. My wife was unconvinced. (laughs) She does not think that we need pictures or statues of 17th century New England Puritans in order to adequately celebrate the fourth Sunday of November. But I think pilgrims are awesome especially now that I can't stop thinking of myself as a pilgrim. I know Stephanie thinks this is weird. We talked about it in the podcast. I, I just, I've got pilgrims. I know they're a thing. And all of that is on my mind, of course, for obvious reasons as we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving Sunday and prepare for Thanksgiving Day. Our, our scripture reading this morning is actually the Old Testament lectionary text for Thanksgiving Day from the prophet Joel. Now, Joel does not get a ton of airtime in our lectionary. We actually don't know very many details about the prophet Joel because Joel himself does not offer us any details. This is Michelangelo's representation of Joel uh, in the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican. The book opens by describing a locust plague, which was a, a common catastrophe in the ancient Near East. The locusts would originate in what is today Sudan, and they would move uh, northeast through Africa into modern-day Israel. And they could, they could move across a span of more than a 1,000 miles. <laughs> so many locusts there were in these plagues. They would consume everything in their paths. They would kill crops. They would actually threaten entire populations with starvation. And Joel sees in this locust plague uh, a metaphor for the various armies that had conquered Israel throughout its history. True to the theology of the prophets, he interprets these catastrophes to be signs of judgment on God's people for their sins. Now, our our Methodist Christian theology would interpret this a little bit differently, but that's a, a different sermon. Consistent with the message of the prophets, Joel calls the people to turn back to God, to repent through worship and fasting. And when they do... Joel promises, the barren fields will be restored, the crops will come in, the people will no longer be hungry, God will provide. So, let's read the text now. Joel chapter 2, verses 21 to 27. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the prophet Joel. Do not fear, O soil. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, you animals of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green, the tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and vine give their full yield. 
O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the later rain as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain, the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent against you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I, the Lord, am your God, and there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So prophesying to a people who had experienced profound hardship and profound heartache, the prophet Joel offers uh, Israel a comforting word. Joel's a short book, it's only three chapters long. The first half is a proclamation of God's judgment and a call to repentance. The second half, where our reading comes from, is a, a declaration of God's promise. And it takes this very particular tone. Joel invites God's people to a spirit of gratitude and to a sense <clears throat> excuse me, of trust and confidence that God will provide and to a recognition that all that we have and all that we are is ultimately a gift from God. And I have to think that those who put together the Revised Common Lectionary, those who chose this passage from Joel to be the recommended Old Testament reading for Thanksgiving Day, they had to have found in his call uh, to gratitude and trust an echo of those Thanksgiving pilgrims whose celebration of, of uh, gratitude and trust 400 years ago inspired the holiday that we'll all celebrate this Thursday. It was their unshakable faith that God would provide that led them to come to the new world to begin with. It was their unshakable faith that God would provide that sustained them when things got so difficult early on. It was their gratitude for God's provision with no small assist from their generous Native American friends that inspired that first Thanksgiving that actually happened in 1621, so 400 years ago this year. Now today, of course, Thanksgiving has taken on lots of wonderful connotations in our culture. It's a, it's a long weekend for us. Uh, it gives us a reason to eat more than we should. It kicks off the Christmas shopping season in earnest. It's celebrated with parades and a day full of football, and I love every bit of that. The week of Thanksgiving has always been one of my favorite weeks of the year. And yet, uh, it is more than a little ironic that Thanksgiving has come to be so defined by consumption. Uh, some might even say gluttony. When its original intent was to give thanks for God's provision in the face of extreme deprivation and want. Very few of us modern pilgrims have experienced deprivation or want at all, let alone had to put our trust as completely in God as those first pilgrims in 1621, which means uh, that we have to be more intentional about recognizing and giving thanks for God's provision in our lives today. The challenge for us modern pilgrims is not so much uh, trusting that God will provide for us in some undetermined 
future, God has already and continues to bless us abundantly and consistently. Instead, uh, the challenge for us is to recognize and give thanks for God's provision in our lives, the provision of the God from whom, as we sing in our doxology every week, all blessings flow. As modern pilgrims, it's good to take a cue from the Thanksgiving pilgrims, I think, and intentionally practice gratitude as a foundation of our lives. Sometimes we just need a reminder to do that, and Thanksgiving is a wonderful reminder to do so. Now, I don't know what your traditions are this week. If you've got particular movies you like to watch on Thanksgiving or the Thanksgiving weekend, uh, our family starts to watch Christmas movies. Probably won't surprise you um, this time of year. But there's actually only one Thanksgiving movie for me that really comes to mind. I'm not sure if you've got beloved Thanksgiving movies in your house, but only one comes to mind for me. Uh, it's a movie that came out the day before Thanksgiving in 1987. It's a movie called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. If you guys have seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, okay. So if you, if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while, it's the story of a marketing executive named Neil Page, played by Steve Martin, uh, who is trying to get home from a business trip. It's two days before Thanksgiving. He's been in New York, and he's trying to catch a flight back to Chicago, but bad weather in Chicago foils his plans. And Neil is a successful man. He's upper middle class. He's got a great job. He's got a beautiful family. He's got a beautiful home, and he just wants to get home for Thanksgiving. It's like this, uh, it's like his sacred place. It's kind of like, kind of like a pilgrimage <laughs> at first that becomes a comedic odyssey. First, his flight is delayed, and then his first-class ticket, of course, he's got a first-class ticket, but it gets bumped to coach. And in his new coach, middle seat, the worst kind of seat, he meets the man with whom he will share the rest of the trip home, a traveling salesman named Del Griffith, played by John Candy. <laughs> Now, Neil clearly finds Dell to be obnoxious and overbearing, and so he uh, spends almost the entire movie being irritated, and Steve Martin plays this perfectly. He's tired, he's anxious to get home, and this unchosen traveling partner, Dell, is nothing but an aggravation. So because of weather in Chicago, their flight gets diverted to Wichita, Kansas, and then it gets canceled. Uh, then Neil and Dell are forced to share a hotel room. <laughs> If you've seen the movie, you know how funny that scene is. <laughs> the next morning, they discover <laughs> that, that all the flights to Chicago are hopelessly delayed, and so they, they switch to various modes of transportation, hence the name of the movie. Each one gets them closer to home. There's a train first, and then there's a, a bus, and there's a rental car, and there's even the, the back of a refrigerated semi. And Neil tries unsuccessfully to ditch Dell a couple of times, uh, he unsuccessfully, as I said. Um, of course, there's a bunch of funny stuff that happens along the way, but the entire time, Neil is rude and abrasive and condescending toward his bumbling but big-hearted traveling companion. He's frustrated, he's annoyed with his circumstances, uh, he's lost sight of the fact that his inconveniences are really pretty minor <laughs> and very temporary in the midst of this otherwise extremely blessed life. 
So when Neil and Dale, Dale finally get to Chicago on Thanksgiving morning, they part company at the subway station. And after Neil has left Dell, he's riding on the subway uh, on his way home, and we, we get to see what he's thinking about. And we see that at first he's thinking about his kids, and then his wife, and then his beautiful home, and then the wonderful Thanksgiving meal that he's about to enjoy. And he smiles for maybe the first time in the movie, and he's grateful, definitely for the first time in the movie, for the blessings in his life uh, that he seems to have forgotten about until that moment. And then there's this transformation and it's a silly comedy, but it's a pretty profound transformation. And again, Steve Martin plays it perfectly. He starts to reflect on his experiences with Dell. He, he thinks about all of his conversations with Dell, and then he gets out of himself for the first time in the movie. It dawns on him that maybe Dell is just a, a lonely guy who needs a friend. And so he rushes back to the train station and he finds Dell sitting there all by himself on Thanksgiving Day and he asks him what he's doing. Why he hasn't gone home yet? I don't have a home, Dell says. My wife's been dead for eight years. And we see Neil realize that this guy that he wanted nothing to do with for the past hour and a half in the movie really just needs love and compassion. And so he he welcomes this former stranger into his home to celebrate Thanksgiving with his family. You see what happened, right? In his pilgrimage home, Neil discovers, or maybe, maybe rediscovers, gratitude. And that gratitude gives him a new perspective, a new perspective that he really pretty desperately needed. Gratitude that that really should be what this holiday is all about. So friends, this Thanksgiving, as we gather around tables that are overflowing with the blessings of God, as we're surrounded by the people we love who are also blessings from God in a, in a country that has blessed us with so much, may we remember that we are all pilgrims on a journey of faith. And may our gratitude to God be the foundation upon which we build our lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.